Welcome to Edgemont Bible Church in Fairview Heights, Illinois, where our mission is to glorify God by guiding people into a discipleship relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to today's message by our pastor, Douglas A. White. I'm going to deal in the, the second time with the um, principle of rest. And uh, with this, I'm going to read Mark 2, 27 to 28. So if, if you want to turn to Mark 2, 27 to 28, one of the biggest hassles Jesus ran into in his ministry, uh, especially with the Pharisees and the Torah scholars uh, known as lawyers and as the um, Sadducees and a variety of others, was his continuous habit of doing something on the Sabbath. That just irked them. They couldn't handle that. Uh, And and a lot of times, he wouldn't move anything. He could look at somebody and just tell them, raise your hand. And as the guy raised his hand, the hand was made well. He might just speak to someone, and they can see. That's all on the Sabbath. But they counted it, the, the Pharisees and Sadducees counted that at work. And Jesus was trying to help them understand what the Sabbath was about. Now, I want you to look here in Mark 2, 27 and 28. Jesus says... The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus is saying he is the Lord of the Sabbath. And the Sabbath is all about rest. And I hope to be able to show you what that Sabbath really does, what it, what it helps us to understand. Jesus as Lord of the Sabbath is the authority on what makes Sabbath rest. If anybody's going to tell you what honors the Sabbath, it should be the one who made it. Right? That would, that, you would think that's the one who get, has the best understanding. Now, I get it. They didn't know that he was, that's who he was. The scriptures tell us that he came into his own and his own received him not. They didn't recognize him. They didn't recognize who Jesus was. So they're not going to listen to him as any kind of authority. Secondly, he didn't have the right schools. He didn't have the right credentials. He doesn't have a press pass. He doesn't have a, I'm a, I'm a great rabbi pass. He doesn't have any of that. But he's teaching with authority. He's showing things and doing things in such a way they'd never seen it done before. They recognize he must have come from God, but they can't figure out why anybody that comes from God would break the Sabbath. But what he was breaking was their traditions, not what God's Word had said. So uh, with that in mind, Jesus is the one who could tell us best Jesus created the Sabbath for man, not man for the Sabbath. There's something in the Sabbath that is for the benefit of the man. So if, it's, if the Sabbath was created for the man, the Creator God must have had something in that Sabbath that man was supposed to get from it. The number one thing was rest. Rest. Now, it's not just let's take a nap, rest. This rest is a rest that says you cannot do any common work. That's stuff that you would do every other day by what's common. Okay, as I was trying to tell the Sunday school class this morning, common work is starting a fire. That takes work. And why are you going to start the fire? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to be warm. I'm going to start the fire because we're going to cook today. I'm going to start the fire because I got this stuff. And if you're going to cook today, you're going to have to get the meal ready for the day. So what he's saying was, don't you do any of that. I will keep you warm. I don't want you to fix food. I will feed you. 
I want you to completely rest from doing anything that you believe takes care of yourself. I want you to depend on me fully. I want to try to show you that I can care for you whether you work or you don't. I have this for you. Everybody, everybody see where I'm at on this? That's what the Sabbath was going to do. Why? Because the Sabbath was a shadow of the true and real. There is a greater rest for which the Sabbath is just a picture of its true meaning. Now, I'm not taking away from the Sabbath. The Sabbath was real. You were supposed to do things. As a matter of fact, it's by penalty of death you've got to keep the Sabbath. It's supposed to be a holy day. Now, let me show you what a holy day is. That means it's a day that's not like the others. That's all holy means. It's not, it's not some mystical thing wrapped around it. God is a holy God because he's not like the others. He's different from them. You say the other gods, you mean there are other gods? Yes, those that he calls God. There are Elohim that he calls gods, just as the people called them gods. But they are all created beings. He's the only one who is not created. Because he's not created, he's holy. He's separate from everything else. These dishes that we use here are holy dishes. Why? We don't use them for anything else. Nobody eats soup out of these things. Nobody uses them as a serve tray. They are used for one specific thing. That's what makes them holy. Now, that doesn't mean you, if you touch them, you're going to have an electric shock come over you or anything like that. That's not what we mean. It just simply means they are different from the others. So the Sabbath was supposed to be a holy day that's different from the others. The Sabbath year was supposed to be a holy year different from the others. Why? You weren't going to work on the, on the Sabbath year. You weren't going to do anything to the land, and yet God was going to feed you. The year of Jubilee, that's the seven of the, the fifth, was now a time of rest where even your debts were forgiven. Everything's done. I mean, this is total freedom thing. God's taking care of you. That's what he wanted his people to learn. He said, I want you to know this, that if you would open your mouth wide, I would fill it. I would give you anything you wanted if you'll trust me. Do you trust me? That was a big thing, kids, because I want you to get this. Trust is the principle of the universe. That's it. That's it. Not your labors, not your work. Trust is the big principle in the universe. God wants you trusting him implicitly, that he can't speak wrong, that he can't speak bad stuff. He only speaks truth, and then what he says will happen. He's calling us to be trusting him that way. Everybody see where we're at? He's giving them the Sabbath for a rest. I want to share with you. Uh, as, as we read in Hebrews this morning, it said there remains a rest. There remains a rest. I want you to think with me just for a moment. Go back and review some biblical history with me. Are you ready? So put your thinking caps on, put your history caps on. I want to go over some things with you. God had already given these people rest in many situations. Number one, he gave them rest from Egyptian slavery, but that did not bring rest to their souls, nor did it win their heart. 
Why didn't it win their heart? Why did they miss the point? He is by himself delivering them out of Egyptian slavery. So he's giving them rest from slavery, right? It should have been an easy thing to see. Oh, my goodness, this God does everything for us. Only God took us out of slavery. But they didn't get the point. Why? Well, let me see if any of these things ring a bell with you. They felt entitled to freedom after they had been so long under it. They should have had freedom. After all, if he's really uh, their God and, and they're really his people, why did he leave them in 400 years there, that mess? Why didn't he come sooner? If, if, if you've really got this promised land for us, why didn't you come and get it to us sooner? What, what are you letting us languish down here for? They felt entitled. They felt this is what should happen. So they got their freedom. They missed the point on how they were made free. They did not grasp who God was, nor did they desire to know him. All the works they had seen did not matter to them because they did not mix it with faith. They were still thinking only about themselves. Now just think, you're going to watch the River Nile turn to blood. Great trick. And that's what you saw. The River Nile turned to blood. That's done. And then you start watching the other plagues. And you're not even thinking other than, wow, that's really something. How'd they do that? And you're still thinking about, but we got to go to slavery work every day. What difference does it make whether he does all these things or not? All it does is make the Egyptians matter. Now, we just have to do more than we did before. They're missing the point. Do you follow it? Now, let me just say this. When you're looking over your world, and you're looking over the things that happened to you, don't miss the point. You follow me? Don't keep looking at your situation and think that, I don't know how God's working at all. If, if God was really my God, I wouldn't have any suffering. I wouldn't have any problems, nothing. Baloney. Yes, you would. That's how you get to know him. That's how you get to know that he can take care of you. If he doesn't make you uncomfortable, you don't know that you need him. God was frightening. And they were not interested in a relationship with that frightful being. They wanted to know what he wanted so they could, do, could promise to do it and then shut him up. They were promised a trip to a land flowing with milk and honey. And what they got was wilderness and a massive camp out with inadequate supplies. Freedom did not matter as much then because memories are very short. You remember as they camped out there, and they, now they don't have the nice houses, and they don't have leeks and onions, and they don't have meat, and they don't have, and they don't have, and they don't have, and they don't have. So all they could think about what they don't have. They couldn't think about what he had actually done. So they missed the rest. They didn't get it. All right? So they complained about everything he did or in their estimation he should have done. Since they were entitled people that he should have done all this for, why didn't you do more? Number two, he gave them the once a week Sabbath in order to rest one day, but they missed the point again. They saw it as a burdensome rule to take away their freedom, something they had to do to keep him from having one of his temper tantrums instead of an opportunity to be cared for. 
Now, some of them got it. When they mixed it by faith, they understood this is a wonderful opportunity. God's taking care of us, and they enjoyed it. Some of them saw it as a wonderful opportunity for their family to have a good time together. So they spent that Sabbath day in their own pleasures, which was displeasing to God. He's going to give you your pleasures if you, if you will follow him. Number three. He gave them rest concerning food and water, but they once again felt entitled and were ungrateful, even complaining again. They've got something to eat. I'm going to remind you, they're in the wilderness. Anybody ever done any wilderness camping? I think some of your trail life guys have been wilderness. Listen, if you, if you go wilderness camping, you better be a good forager if you're going to eat anything around you. Most of the time, you pack it in yourself so you'll have something to eat. Because finding things to eat in the wilderness is not an easy thing. They're finding it every day. They go out and gather it up. They're eating it. He took care of them. They're complaining because they don't have water. Who is it that gives them water? That's rest, kids. But they're, not miss, they're, they're, they're missing the point. They're not getting what it was about. The next one. Once they had got to the promised land and conquered it, Joshua says he gave them rest from their enemies. But they missed the point again. They focused on prosperity and how they could make a good go of it. They used the local gods for weather and fertility, just like their neighbors did. They thought their prosperity was due to their own efforts and work, as well as the blessings of the gods for whom they had done the fertility rituals. Instead of recognizing that God wanted to take care of them and God was the one who's given them wealth, they thought it was coming because of their hard labor. They thought it was coming because they had offered the right kind of things to the gods around them. They thought it was because they were getting along with their neighbors and doing the kinds of things their neighbors did. They missed the point. The law he gave them was heavy and cumbersome to do. They had rashly said they would do anything he said to do, but their heart was not in. I want you to turn with me now, Deuteronomy chapter 5. Deuteronomy chapter 5. I want you to see something here with me. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, in the first 21 verses, he rehearses what we call as the Ten Commandments. Those Ten Commandments is the land covenant that God made with Israel. Ten commandments. Ten things to do. Here's what he says. Pick up with me at verse 23. So it, um, so it was when you heard the voice from the midst of the darkness while the mountain was burning with fire that you came near to me, all the heads of your tribes and your elders, and you said, Surely the Lord our God has shown us his glory and his greatness, and we've heard his voice from the midst of the fire. We have seen this day that God speaks with man, yet he still lives. Now, therefore, why should we die? For this great fire will consume us. Now, you think at first, they're really saying some good stuff. They've seen the glory of the Lord. They've seen that you can actually hear, man, hear God speak and not die. This is a wonderful thing. But they turn it real quickly. Why? Because they missed the point. Here's what it went on to say. Now, therefore, why should we die? For this great fire will consume us. If we hear the voice of the Lord our God any more, then we shall die. 
For who is there of all flesh who's heard the voice of the living God speaking from the midst of the fire as we have and lived? They just said we did it. But who's done it? What? How did you miss the point? You just rehearsed the fact that you heard him and still live. We're going further. You go near and hear all that the Lord your God may say and tell us all that the Lord our God says to you and we will hear and do it. You ever been a kid before? You ever said something like this to your mom and dad? If, if you'll just give me that, I'll, I'll take care of that. I'll, I'll feed that puppy every day. I'll watch. I'll make sure it's got water every day. I'll take care of this cat. I'll feed those fish, whatever it was. I'll always put my toys away. I'll make it every day. If you just get me this problem, I will, I will, I will. If you have, then you have been Israel. Because this is what they said. He scares us. That, that God is just awesome. We don't want to be around him. So you listen to him. You hear what he has to say and tell him whatever he says we'll do. Hold on. They had just heard all ten commandments. That's all there was. And they're telling him, you go tell him and we'll do whatever he says. Have you ever, no, I don't want to ask that because it sounds so bad. Have you ever been that kind of a person that says, oh, really? <laughs> That's what you say? Then let me add that on. And he, he just consequently added on 513 more. Why? Because they were stupid. They agreed to do something before they even knew what they were agreeing to. Follow with me here. Listen to what he says. Then the Lord heard the voice of your words when you spoke to me, and the Lord said to me, I've heard the voice of the words of this people which they have spoken to you. They are right in all that they have spoken. Yes, it is a miracle that they could hear my voice and live. Yes, that's true. Yes, it is a miracle. Oh, that they had such a heart in them that they would fear me and always keep all my commandments that it might be well with them and with their children forever. They don't have a heart for that. They just spoke rashly. So because they spoke rashly, I'm going to give them something to help them understand. Don't speak this way. You cannot do what I'm telling you to do. You, you think that by yourself, on your own effort, you actually are going to keep this. You are wrong, wrong, wrong. But I've already given you rest from your enemies. I've already given you rest here. I've already given you rest here. I've already given you rest here. And you missed the point. So I'm going to go one more with you. But I'm going to give you a weekly reminder of it. I'm going to weekly remind you that you've got to take a rest. You've got to take a rest. I'll take care of you. I'll take care of you. So he loaded them up, and it became too heavy to bear. They couldn't keep it. All the things they were supposed to do, all the assemblies they were supposed to have, all the taxes they were supposed to pay, they couldn't keep it up. And the locals were right there. 
I mean, goodness, why would you go to all the trouble of trying to go through this law thing when right down the street there's the temple to Baal that all you got to do is just drop in and offer a sacrifice to and they'll fertilize your land for you. Well, all you got, and boy, some of their celebrations. Wow. Get involved with some of those and that's a wonderful party. I mean, those, those Baal worshipers, they have a party. Our God just terrifies us. He's not much on the party stuff. They missed the point, kids. Because of unbelief. Simple unbelief. Follow that? So since they had seen all that other rest, and they had taken none of it. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. In Matthew 11, Jesus has just experienced the rejection by all the communities in which he'd been doing all this work. He'd been teaching, he'd been preaching, he'd been showing them all kinds of things, and they were missing the point, just like Israel always did. Why? It was never mixed with faith. They wouldn't believe him, and since they wouldn't believe him, they missed the point all the time. In Matthew chapter 11, pick up your reading with me, please, uh, at verse 25. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent. So in other words, all these people that just rejected it, God was hiding it from them now. And have revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father. Nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Now watch this. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is offering the final rest. He's offering what the true rest is. He is the rest. Jesus invites them. I'm at letter D in the outline, so if you want to look at the letter D in the outline. Jesus called all who were laboring and bearing big burdens to come to him for rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30. His invitational calling and command was come. Come. You got to come to him. He's doing everything. But he's inviting you to come to him. So he's saying, if you qualify in this area right here, come to me. Listen to how he says it. He, his target audience was all who labor and are heavy laden. Now that word that's labor there is those who work hard to the point of exhaustion. Um, Peter used this word when he's talking about fishing all night, that they had fished all night and tried with their nets over and over again, fishing and fishing. They were weary. They were tired. There were people who were trying diligently to keep this law. 
they were working hard at it and realizing, I can't do it. I can't do it. If I can say, that's the people who were broken in spirit, who were poor in spirit. That's the people who were mourning and grieving because they knew that they couldn't possibly do enough to earn that righteousness. But they were going to keep on trying because that's the only thing they knew. They had missed the point about the rest. Even having a Sabbath rest, they missed the point about it. They didn't see that God would take care of them without that. Even hearing Jesus' Sermon on the Mount where he's saying to them, look at the lilies of the field. They don't toil, they don't labor, yet God clothes them. Look at the birds of the air. They don't dig up fields, they don't plant seeds, they don't do anything else, yet God takes care of them. Do you think you're not worth more than one of these? Then he would say, point blank, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. And I can hear us saying right now, yes, what lofty words. They don't mean a thing. Everybody knows you got to work hard. It's the only way you get things. You work hard. Come unto me, all you who are labor and are heavy laden. and I will give you rest. Do you think he doesn't know you? Do you think he doesn't know who you are? You're working hard. And you think somehow your work has made you a good person, a righteous person. Somehow you've provided for yourself. Do you not understand that God alone gives you their wealth? God alone is the one who gives you the power to do anything. Can we do it without acknowledging him? That's what he's calling on us. That was where the rest was going to be. Listen, as, as Mary and Martha are, are together, they invite Jesus over to the house. For what? Dinner. What's important at a dinner? Dinner. It's having food, isn't it? So Martha looks it over and says, we've invited Jesus over to the house. We're going to have food, massive quantities. We're going to have lots of food for this guy. So they're working on getting the food. Martha is. But Mary thinks the best thing at a dinner is the guest. We don't get a guest like this one very often. I can hear what he's got to say. So she sits at his feet and listens to him. And Martha, who missed the point, says, Master, tell her to get up and get busy. And Jesus says, she's chosen the better part. Kids, salvation is about resting in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not about you doing anything. It's about resting and believing, bottom line, that he's done it all. He is the rest. I know some get concerned because they need to keep Sabbath. You, you can keep Sabbath. That's fine. But if you believe that keeping Sabbath has somehow made you holy because you think you're being obedient, you're wrong. And you missed the point. You could keep the Sabbath if you're going to keep it the right way. But if you're just going to do it to make yourself feel holy, 
then stop condemning yourself. Get off that horse and get on another one real quick. Look what Jesus said. It was those who work hard to the point of exhaustion to perform righteous deeds to live up to the standard. It's those who try to live up to the expectations others set for them. You ever done that before? The expectations that others set for them, you're working hard trying to do it, and it doesn't seem like anybody pays any attention. They don't seem to acknowledge that you actually did something. They don't seem to know just how much blood, sweat, and tears you put into it. Can I tell you, it's Jesus calling you. Come on home. Enter into the yoke with me. My yoke is not like that law. My yoke is this one. Love God with your whole heart, your whole mind, your whole soul, your whole being. Love your neighbors, yourself. You've done it. Anything else? What about, uh, what do I do about, uh, uh, hush. I just told you. Love God, love your neighbor. You need it said another way? Okay. How about this way? Love mercy, do justly, walk humbly with your God. That's three now. He told us to love one another. He said, in doing so, you will have completed the commandments. This is for all those who are looking for some way to be acceptable before him, some way to, to maybe a new pattern for making fig leaf aprons. Maybe I could use cedar trees this time. No, stop. You're not going to do anything. Rest in him. That was what it's about. Jesus said, enter this yoke with me. Get in it with me. Let's, I'll, I'll give you this last point. Those who, after living these self-efforts to please, are uncertain their efforts are effectual as something still seems missing. They are driven to please, so they keep on going, never satisfied with their work. The greatest liberation you're going to have is when you finally realize Jesus really has done it all. And that when you enter that yoke with him, you'll be able to co-labor with him instead of believing you're, you're somehow pulling this load. You're not. If you are, you're in the wrong yoke. Get into the yoke with the Lord Jesus Christ. We were told that we were to labor diligently to enter into that rest. Be diligent to enter into that rest. So next week, we're going to look what it means to be diligent, to enter into the rest of the Lord Jesus Christ. Ways that you might be able to accomplish that very thing, what Jesus taught us about that rest. All right. Father, thank you so much for the gift of this day. Thank you for the work that you've given us to do. We ask that your spirit would rest with us and teach us the good things we need to know. Teach us how to rest. Teach us how to do the work the way you did it the way you rested in your Father and your Father worked through you. Teach us these good things, Lord Jesus, and we'll give you praise for it even now in Jesus' name. Amen. Take your rest in the Lord. Take your rest in the Lord. Study that. Keep understanding what it is. Read those verses over again. Come unto me, all you who are labor and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. What's he meaning for it? What does that mean for you? 
I'd like to ask you to do something. Uh, this is kind of a, a, a new thought here we're, we're having. The Psalm 100 says, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving. I'll enter his courts with praise. And that's a picture of coming into the temple or coming into the tabernacle where you've got the gates outside. And you come through those gates, you get into the courtyard inside. There is places there to praise the Lord. Thanksgiving is where you're thanking God for things he's done for you. Praise is where you're praising him because that, the, the, he's the kind of person that does that sort of thing. He's holy, he's good, he's righteous, he's kind, he's merciful, whatever those things are, to praise. So here's what I can ask you to do. From now on, when you come to the, the uh, doors to the uh, sanctuary here, the, the worship center here, would you think of three things that you're thankful for this day? Three things. So you're going to just say, Oh, Father, I want to thank you for my family. I want to thank you for food that I got to have. I want to thank you for the, the home I live in. I want to thank you for transportation that got me here, whatever those are. But three things before you come through the doors. Don't let yourself come through the doors until you've done those three things. Fair enough? And then once you get inside, once you think of three character traits of God that you praise him for, just three things. And we'll use this symbol from now on, just three fingers held up. And as you do it, you say, well, that's a, that's a new habit. I, don't, I haven't done them before. And I'll just show three, and I'll remind you. Oh, I didn't say my three Thanksgivings. Now, it doesn't mean that you need to run back out of here real quick. All right? <laughs> it just means simply that you're going to right now say, well, I'm going to be thankful. I know that that's where worship begins. When you already have a people whose mindset is on Thanksgiving, they're already recognizing they didn't take care of themselves God took care of them. When you come in now and you're praising, you're acknowledging there's somebody greater than you. That's where worship begins. As long as you feel like you're an equal with God and you were entitled so you don't have to give thanksgiving, and he's pretty good, but he's supposed to be, so those are just given, you know, so you, you don't want to praise. Let's get past that. Let's be, let's be a people who become a worshiping people. Amen? All right. We hope God has encouraged you with today's message by Pastor White. Thank you for joining us at the Edgemont Bible Church. We'd love to have you visit us if you're ever in the area. For directions, more information, or to support the ministry of Edgemont Bible Church, please go to our website at edgemontbiblechurch.org. That's edgemontbiblechurch, all one word, dot org. You can also follow us on Facebook at Edgemont Bible Church, where the Sunday morning message is broadcast live.